Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Monday edition of the Danny Mac Show. A lot happening in sports. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Tanner is with us. We're going to visit with Paul Severino. He's the play-by-play voice of the Miami Marlins coming up. The Marlins and the Cardinals <clears throat> tonight. And you can see that game on Fox, or rather, Bally Sports Midwest Plus. What are you laughing at, Tanner? Don't tell me like you were like, oh, I knew Bally was right there. Okay, it's going to happen. I slipped up. It's okay. I've done it a lot, too. Yeah, so we've all me done it, look. man. We've all done it. Haven't done it on the games yet, so that's... I've been impressed by that because I, whenever I would host for another show, yeah. right? Like I'll say go here on BK and Ferrari or whatever, and it's like no, this is the fast lane or no, whatever it might be. Right. I actually put a little card in front of me that says Bally Smart. Sports. Okay, so Bally Sports Plus for baseball. Uh, the main channel will have hockey and the return of Petro. By the way, I want to get into that just for a second. What do you think that's going to be like tonight? I think it's been long enough now that I and there's only four thousand fans in the stands. That's it'll the be key. it'll be a cool reunion. I think that blues fans are just so appreciative of the cup that it's not gonna be something where there's like vitriol or anything for him leaving. So I think it'll be a cool scene. I it's I'm just weird. You. It's just weird because he's coming back with 4,000 fans in the stands, That's and the it's, it, it doesn't feel right. So we were talking. They said, what do you think the uh, video will be like? I said, well, you can make it. And Randy's, of course, saying you got to make him cry. <laughs> I said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then you got to show, you know, his first time when you're draft, like the timeline of getting drafted, of stepping on the ice for the first time. Um uh, Maybe your first all-star game, shots with you and your kids, then shots of the parade and holding the cup, and then put some piano music, and you might get a tear. That's what I'm thinking. I think he's he's gone through the gauntlet already, though, right? Because he's talked with the media here in St. Louis time and time again since he left. I, I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it has the ceiling for emotions that you would typically expect from a return. Well, you hit it on the head. If you had 18,000 in there, and they're going wild for you... Different then you probably get the emotions. 4,000, not to say that they're not, they're not going to make some noise and be appreciative. They will. And I agree with you. I think the vitriol and, and the negative things, those are gone. Unless he becomes a villain in postseason play and you boo him when he touches the sure. puck, that kind of thing. But with the first time back, yeah, it's going to be a nice, nice way to have closure despite the fact you have 4,000 fans. Now, it was nice to have <clears throat> closure in Cincinnati after the way that things started. A good opening day. But the problem was the starting pitching, and that includes opening day with Jack Flaherty. Doing some numbers here, BK. You know I love to get in my numbers. So Jack Flaherty, four and a third, six earned. Wainwright went six up and six down. You're thinking, okay, this looks pretty good. Lasted two and two-thirds, six earned, gave up a home run. Carlos Martinez, love what I saw yesterday. I'm going to take out of all the guys that I saw pitch this weekend outside of Jordan Hicks. I was really happy with what I saw out of Carlos Martinez. His first three innings are the best I've seen him pitch in years. Five innings, four earned, gave up the home run. The home run, debatable whether or not you want to pitch to Castellanos in that spot. They did. They got burned. It happens. Now, here's where I was doing the numbers. Cardinal starters with a combined 12 innings of work through three starts. First three to start a season. Um, 
not good. Okay, 12 innings of work. That was it in those three starts. That is the lowest total by their first three starters to open up a season since 1920. So if that trend would continue, which by all accounts, it will not. We have a long ways to go. However, that is a trend that we will burn your bullpen out, which is the strength of this club. And it's got to change. And we'll see if it changes tonight with Daniel Ponce de Leon. It should be the strength of the club. It was not over the weekend, though, because the bullpen was also an issue. In total, 13 innings for the pin, 13 hits allowed, 8 walks, 11 earned runs. That ain't going to get it done. It's it's all of it. It's the pitching as a whole, because you're right, Dan, the, the starters have to be better. They have to get deeper. The bullpen also has to do a little bit better job. And the biggest issue that I saw from them was the walks. You just got to have better command. 13 walks to 21 strikeouts um, total. Yeah, for the pitchers as well. For everybody. They had 27 earned in 25 innings and six home runs allowed. Yikes. Some of that's the ballpark. The homers, part of that is, is certainly where you're playing, but... It's the free passes. It's just, it wasn't good enough over the weekend. And for this team to be the team that we expected them to be, frankly, the team that they were on opening day, you've got to get better pitching than that. So in 10 games last year, they gave up a total of 35 runs to the Cincinnati Reds. Three games this year, already 27. So, hey, we got a ways to go. Things will change. What did you think of the uh, Castellano situation? So I might not. I loved it. I might not be a popular thing in St. Louis. It's going to be great for the rest of the year. We got a villain. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. If that was a St. Louis Cardinal that did that, we'd be talking today about like, imagine if Nolan Arenado, the the big Cardinals offseason acquisition, who we saw, by the way, in that fray has a little bit of fire to him. If he was the guy that did that in the the tables were turned, so to speak. We would absolutely adore seeing something like that from Nolan Arenado. So I'm not going to sit here and give you a different take just because it was a guy on the other team. I loved it. And I think it's good for the game when we see stuff like that. Always got to have a villain. Well, you got him. Yachty's been a villain for almost two decades in Cincinnati. So they got their guy. Yeah. Brandon Phillips is gone. Now we got another one. It's Castellanos. It was fun. Mike Schilto knows his starters have to be better. You know, I thought Wayne was on track. He's who managed the game and, you do it for a while, you look up, and you realize he's in a pretty good place. And he was on a pace to go six, seven innings yesterday. And, um, you know, really could have still done it. A few balls hit at people, but didn't. And, you know, it's the game. So, no crying over spilt milk, right? But um, the fact of the matter is we thought he could go deep. Um, and it is important for guys to be able to log their innings so we can keep our bullpen sharp and, and not have to rely on them and keep them fresh as possible. So the starters combined, when you look at Flaherty, Wayno, Carlos Martinez, 16 earned in 12 innings, five walks, four home runs. They struck out nine. To your point, though, BK, relievers, not great. 11 earned in 13 innings, 7-6-2 is the ERA, couple of home runs, and Mike Schild knows they have to be better. Uh, well, we've got eight. You know, I couldn't rule out that at some point we could go to nine. Um, we had the flexibility to do so. Um, wouldn't surprise if we did it. Um, can't read the tea leaves, but, uh, you know, we get in the bulk of consistent games may be a possibility. You know, we do know the bullpen is always important. It's a big part of our team. We trust them. They pitched well. We do expect the starters to go deeper. And that just starts with Daniel Ponce de Leon tonight against a lefty Trevor Rogers. I got to wonder if 
Mike Schilt will change up his lineup tonight. Rodgers, a left-hander. Justin Williams went 0 for the weekend. Maybe you get somebody else in right field. You don't want the lefty-lefty, and it's a chance to get Dean or Nagowski or somebody um, a chance and a crack at it in right. We'll see if that happens. He's not going to call it a true platoon, but let's be honest. It's a platoon in right field right now. They brought a lefty in, I believe it was on Saturday, and you saw Justin Williams. He got the pinch hit for or uh, Austin Dean got the pinch hit opportunity there for Justin Williams. They're treating it as a platoon, even if they don't want to call it that. I would be stunned if they don't have Austin Dean in the lineup today. I bet you it's one for one. He just goes into the eighth spot in the order. So if there is something to pull away, uh, some positives, and there were some positives, Goldschmidt's weekend, that was pretty good. Um, Arenado, Nolan Arenado. DeYoung had the two home run day. Love to see that. Tyler O'Neill home run on opening day. And I thought the defense as a whole, for the most part, kind of <clears throat> had some issues yesterday. But as a whole, you know, Justin Williams had a couple of fine plays. Edmund had that diving stop. It was awesome. Uh, Arenado is Arenado. We're starting to see what that's going to look like every day. Goldie had a bunch of picks at first. So defensively, they're going to be just fine. And I think we saw that on display. Yeah, defensively looked really good. Offensively had your moments. Um, the big the one spot, and it wouldn't have mattered. The, the game was out of hand, and it, it wasn't going to matter. But the one spot where I would have liked to see a little bit more from the offense was, I believe it was yesterday, you ended up with Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung coming up with runners on, no outs, and they didn't score a run there. Mm-hmm. That's a spot where, with those three coming up, you expect to be able to score that run. Goldie had a productive out, moving the runner over. Arenado did not, and then ultimately you finish the inning on the next batter. That's That was the one thing that I was like, ooh, got to get that fixed, but that's it's one spot in one game. That'll get fixed. 314 asked about Carlos Martinez. I like what I've seen out of Martinez up until the fourth, and he let his emotions off a couple of bad pitch calls by the umpire uh, get to him. I'm not so sure that was the case. I think if you look at the game yesterday, it winds up being a blowout. Um, You are concerned, to the texter's point, you do get concerned watching Martinez when things start to go sideways of just getting him back on track. That's why you did have Mike Maddox come out immediately and talk to him and try to settle him down. You'll also see it physically. He pulls off to the left side, first base side, gets mechanically out of whack. But I didn't think that was the issue. What we can debate is, uh, and Mike Schilt was asked about it after the game, whether or not you pitch to Castellanos in that spot. He was hitting everything hard. It was a tie game at that point, 1-1. You did have a base open. Now you're asking for a lefty-righty matchup and Moustakis, who could hit a grand slam at that point. And Moustakis had an okay weekend, too. I thought he looked fairly locked in. So, you know, it's pick your poison like many teams will do with Goldie and Arenado. Cardinals took Castellanos. It just didn't work. And those things happen in a long season. Yeah, I wouldn't have pitched to him there. Just I'm, I'm not going to let their best guy beat me. I wouldn't have either. Just and, and a couple things. I mean, number one, the, the scenario of what was happening over the weekend. But just look at his at-bats. Everything was loud, man. He was making mm-hmm. loud outs. He was hitting the ball. He was hitting rockets everywhere. So I, I may have said, you know what? I'm taking my chances with Moustakas. I realize it's lefty-righty, and he may hit a grand slam, but I'm, I'm taking my chances there, and I could have lived with it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going with him there, and I'm going to go ahead and allow the other guys in their lineup to beat me, and if that happens, so be it. But I'm not allowing your best to beat me in that spot. So I, I wouldn't have pitched to him there, but that being said, like to the texter's point, I thought Carlos looked great for three innings. I mean excellent in that game. 
And then the first time he gets a runner on, he's pitching out of the stretch and things look a little different. And that's where things started to go sideways. I don't think it was because he was emotional. I don't think it was because he was in his own head. I think, as you said, Dan, his mechanics got a little out of whack when he went to the stretch for the first time in the game. Yep. And sometimes that happens. We've seen that with other guys on this staff, not named Carlos Martinez. So I don't think that was an emotional outburst by him by any stretch. I think he was great. His mechanics got out of whack and it ended up going south on him from there. But I actually thought that was a super encouraging start by Carlos Martinez. Talked about it uh, on the broadcast yesterday, I believe, or at least we talked about it off the air for sure. But with Brad, when he went to the stretch, to your point, it looked to be a little bit different and got out of whack. Here's Mike Schilt. Carlos was outstanding, and um, you know we got a we got a bad hop single to start the inning. Um, Farmer put another good at bat together, and you know earned his walk. And really, there wasn't a lot else after that. And then, you know, like I said, he he made some. So he was in cruise control pretty much throughout the game, making a lot of quality pitches. When guys making quality pitches, you trust them. And now we look to Daniel Ponce de Leon. And this is a big start for Daniel, and he's been around for a long time. The key will have to be for him throwing strikes. And you, you don't want to see him, and we come on the air tomorrow, we say, well, Daniel looked good for four innings, but he walked five. Can't have that. He's got to be better inside the strike zone, and that has not been the case many times with Daniel Ponce de Leon in his career. However, if he's in the strike zone, he's going to have success tonight. They need somebody to go deep in this game, and their starter is Daniel Ponce de Leon, who the biggest issue with him is that he doesn't go deep into games. And so it's one of those where the Cardinals are going to need him to pitch one of his better games in his career. And that's a tough ask for a guy that is also trying to win a spot in the rotation right now over the next few weeks. Going to be a big one tonight. They need they need a really good start out of Daniel Ponce de Leon because that bullpen is is fried a little bit right now. So John Gant will go in game two, and then you have Flaherty going in the finale, and then we'll be back in St. Louis for the home open. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mack with BK, 101 ESPN. Again, baseball coming up tonight on the Alternate Plus channel on Bally Sports Midwest. You can see the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. You know, I was lining up our next guest. I call him on a Sunday, and he says, you know, you always call me when I'm making my St. Louis-style barbecued ribs, okay? He had the day off yesterday. Paul Severino is the play-by-play voice of the Miami Marlins. I said, wait a minute, you guys are off? On a Sunday, that never happens. Paul, how did the ribs turn out? I'm really curious about that. Uh, they they turned out great. It's good to talk with you again. Um, yeah, no, they turned out they turned out really well. I don't know if you noticed this, but um, last summer we had a little extra free time. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And um, and and I picked up uh, I picked up a, I guess a new hobby. I'm, I'm like smoking and grilling a lo- an awful lot more. And uh, yeah, no joke. You called me in July, and that was like one of the first couple of things that I was doing with St. Louis style ribs. But I've, I think I've perfected it now with the three two one method. Oh yeah, the so three, three two hours, one. Oh yep. yeah. It was, so we know that. Okay, I won't get into it then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
But uh, yeah, they were, turned out really, really good yesterday. So that's that's how I that's how I prepared. Maybe I'll make cheese steaks or something uh, <laughs> if I have an off day before a, a Philly series or something like that. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, you know, if you go three, two, one, did you wrap them in foil and make sure put a little? You know, you got to have a little. Oh bit yeah, of, wrap, okay. wrap them in foil. I, I had the I had the mixture. The uh, mm-hmm. yep, the butter, the brown sugar, a little yep. honey in there, and yep. then whatever was left over from my apple cider, apple juice, Worcestershire sauce and honey mixture that I was basting. Very this solid. Was, this is like the real deal. I have no idea who's playing tonight. No, um, neither but do I. But I know that my ribs are really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul Severino is the play-by-play voice of the uh, Miami Marlins, does a great job with Todd Hollinsworth, and also spent a number, uh, number of years at MLB Network. Um, yeah, last year we had too much time on our hands, and we were the two teams that saw it yeah. the most with COVID with Miami and St. Louis. So we know what's going on right now uh, and feel for those with the Washington Nationals. I, I, I'm curious, Paul, what do you think about Miami's shot? And I know it's obviously the beginning of the season, but in my mind, the National League East is the most competitive in the National League. And here are the Marlins. They go to postseason play last year. I think they're going to be really good this year, but it's going to be tough for them to get into postseason play. Am, am I sizing that up correctly in your opinion? Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. I think that um, it's. Uh, I think Don Mattingly has even called it the black and blue division. I mean, it's it's it, everybody got better in one way or another. Some teams got got uh, a lot better. Obviously, the Mets were really active. Some teams, you know, Real Muto's back with the Phillies. Didi's back with the Phillies. Some teams kind of reloaded the pieces that they had. Uh, you got to figure that you know the Nationals can't be as bad as they were last year, so they may just get better kind of by osmosis. Um, and then the Braves are the Braves. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Marlins are going to have their hands full every night this year, um, especially playing that National League East. I think that um, their their strength is without question their starting pitching um, and not just the starting five, as we're always used to, but just the depth that they've got um, within the organization. Now, that may have taken a, a slight hit in these last few days, at least in the short term. Um, Sixto Sanchez was... Uh, I guess he had like a false positive toward the beginning of camp. So he was set back um, for, I don't know, it was a week, 10 days, something like that. So then he was just kind of pushed back. He wasn't going to break camp with the team. Um, it, it wasn't like a grand plan to limit innings or anything like that. He was probably going to start. Uh, I think he would have lined up either April 10th or 11th, something like that. So he was the last week he's, uh, he's doing a, a tune up just before he can uh, can get going, and he has a little bit of a thing going on in his back of his shoulder. Um, so it, it sounds like just rest and progression, slow progression for him to hopefully get back sooner rather than later. He's their top pitching prospect. He's, I think, the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, so they're not going to rush him back just for a, a game in April. Uh, you want to make sure that he's good to go. And, uh, and Eliezer Hernandez um, on Saturday, he left with a little inflammation in his shoulder, he was kind of an unsung hero in the rotation last year. Health has kind of been a thing for him. A lot of times, fortunately, it's been uh, you know a blister thing, so it, it sets him back a, a few days. Uh, last year, he had like a lat strain, so he missed the last month of already a short season. Um, so there, that depth that that is a strength is is without question going to be tested. But listen, Sandy, you'll see him in this series. Uh, know him pretty well from his Cardinals days. He's gotten so much better. Pablo Lopez will pitch. Um, in the third game of the series, he's gotten so much better since the last time you guys saw him uh, in a regular season game, at least. And uh, and Trevor Rogers goes tonight. He was really impressive, a ten strikeout performance in the spring game, and I think twenty nine in all of March. So he's uh, they're 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 good. They'll be tested. Um, 
but that's that's where their strength lies, and hopefully that will neutralize the the potent offenses in the National League East. Paul, I'm curious because kind of sticking big picture here with the Marlins and where they're at right now as an organization. This has been a team that's been up and down over the years, and you get the new ownership group with Derek Jeter in there. How are fans responding to that group now? The the new regime that is in there, is it more positive now than it was early on with this Derek Jeter regime? Yeah, a, a thousand percent. It, it really is. I mean, listen, they came in. Um, I, I try not to go chapter and verse on the whole thing, but, you know, they came in and, and financials were not great, right, with what was on the books and, and everything else and, and stuff like that. So the, the Stanton move was one that kind of had to be made to, to help reset things a little bit. Um, and then it's it, to me, from my perspective, my opinion, once you make that move, everything else kind of falls into place. I mean, you can make a case that, hey, you know, Yelich was on a team-friendly deal, but at the same time, like, all right, well, if you're, if you're going to clean house, do it right. You know, that, that's been their, their whole mantra was, was sustainable success. I mean, listen, the Marlins have two World Series championships since they came in the league uh, in 97 and 03, and that's great. The only problem is that every other stinking year uh, since they came in the league, they've done a lot of nothing. So it, it wasn't so much the, okay, let's load up for every seven years and we can make a run at this thing. It's like, okay, let's, let's put ourselves in the mix every single year uh, you know, hopefully more times than not, we get over the hump and get into October and then it's anybody's anybody's game at that point. Um, so, you know, you trade Stanton, you trade Yelich, Ozuna, Dee Gordon was in the mix at that time too. He was gone. And what they've done is they've completely revamped the farm system. And, and again, financials are, are always kind of be going to be a little bit strapped down here to begin with, even with the new TV deal and even with the naming rights deal on the ballpark, they're still never going to compete with the Yankees and the Dodgers, teams like that. So they need to have that that farm system that uh, you know young cheap labor basically in the farm system for a few years and, and they've got one of the best uh, systems in baseball right now and um, some of the guys are up Jazz Chisholm Jr. is up now um, you know some of the pitching we've seen and then there's a whole other wave that's coming too so you know I think it uh, a lot more people are buying in now than maybe they were when it's like oh here we go another fire sale thanks new ownership group we've been down this road before but. I don't think they make it to the postseason last year uh, without the moves that they had made. It, it's been a it's been a build for sure with them, and uh, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race for them. But they've got a plan and they're sticking to it. We have a lot of people that are uh, obviously here in the Midwest and not uh, too far away from Evansville, Indiana. And Don Mattingly goes back to Evansville every year, does a huge fundraiser. And um, and so people here have followed his career very, very closely. And I, I look back at last year. You guys started the year with nine games, nine different starters, 174 roster moves total, five starters, 18 players made their major league debuts. That's incredible, and Don Mattingly deserved to win the manager of the year. My question would be to you, Paul, and I've said this on our spring training games because we see the Marlins all the time. I think he's a Hall of Famer for what he's done as a player and now with what he's done as a manager. Am, and, am I on the, the right beaten path with this? And I, uh, with this? And I'm sure you guys probably talk about it as well. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you're talking to a guy who grew up in Connecticut who, um, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, in uh, my bedroom at my mom's house, even to this day, I still have a Mattingly New York's Finest poster That's awesome. on the wall. Awesome. You know, so it's it's a true story. Uh, you know, so I, I thought that he should have gotten more consideration for the Hall of Fame just as a player. But now you add Chapter 2 to his baseball career, 
um, and, and the coaching and the managerial stuff. And yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there, there's got to be a way to get him in. And I think that last year was, uh, you know, outside of winning a championship, probably one of the most impressive runs you'll see. I mean, there was a time, you know, you mentioned all those roster moves and, and a good chunk of them, not all of them because they were throughout the year, but a good chunk of them came in that week that they were in quarantine in Philadelphia. They played the first three games of the series uh, of the season. And then they got some positive tests on Sunday. They played the game. Um, and then from Monday till I think it was probably the following Tuesday, I guess, right? They're still in Philadelphia, just in a hotel room. Guys can't leave to go get food. You know, guys are throwing baseballs into mattresses. You know these stories all too well from last year. But when they made all these roster moves, there were a bunch of guys that, you know, Donnie joked about it, that he met one or two guys when he went to go give them the ball to say, hey, get this dude out. You know, like that, that was the extent of it just because everybody had to stay socially distanced <laughs> and there's no team meetings and there's 15 locker rooms and everything else. So, you know, the job that he did last year, you know, I think that um, I, for me that, that put him over the top, but I already had him, I already had him in Cooperstown um, just as, as like a, I don't know if that he could give it out this way, but, you know, contribution to the game sort of thing. Right. I mean, I, you know, how do you, how do you do the, the player slash manager thing? How do you go in and the whole nine yards? But um, yeah, for me, he's, he's in, and I was so impressed with that. And really, you know, his belief in this team, um, it, it's all trickled down, honestly. I mean, listen, he was a captain with the Yankees. He's been a leader his entire career. Um, and, and he loves the, he doesn't love the losing that they've been going through these last few years, but he loves the, the teaching and he loves to see kind of this next generation of Marlins and, and he'll have his fingerprints on it. I hope he's there for a long time, um, but he'll have his fingerprints on it uh, potentially long after he's gone here. Paul Severino is the Marlins TV play-by-play broadcaster for Bally Sports Florida. Paul, last question that I've got for you. You had the opportunity over the weekend to see a guy who was the star of October in Randy Arozarena, and you know that Cardinals fans are going to be at least keeping one eye on him throughout the season. Did did he still look like, uh, you know, Babe Ruth out there this weekend, or did he s- settle down a little bit now? True story. He comes to the plate on uh, on opening day. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a three-game series. We're going to have our time to kind of tell all these stories in, in great depth throughout the three days. So, basically, I just joke and, I, you know, all right, then uh, next up for the Rays, here comes Babe Ruth. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Randy Rosarena. <laughs> and before I can even tell everybody what great postseason numbers he had, he's shooting a base hit to right field, like first pitch, like he's ready to go. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't see uh, quite the fireworks. This past weekend, I don't even think he played on Saturday. But, um, but yeah, I, listen, I, you don't have to tell uh, a Marlon broadcaster or Marlins fans about the ones that uh, may have gotten away. Uh, you know, Yelich <laughs> right. won an MVP like 10 minutes after he left. But, um, listen, uh, Rain is a fun one to watch for sure. Um, and, and fortunately for the Marlins, they didn't, they didn't see any of his 10 postseason home runs this weekend. But they'll see the Rays again, I think, it, literally in like six months. They see him like right the third to last series of the year. So maybe he'll be gearing up for another October run by then. And a final question for you, Paul. Um, you have a, uh, the first female general manager in the sport. What, what was that like during spring training? Obviously, you're, we're all socially distant, so probably your visits were limited or maybe on Zoom. But what has that been like to, to see Kim Yang do uh, what she's doing to, to start this season? You know what? I think uh, probably a long time coming 
uh, for sure. She's been in and around Major League Baseball, um, the sport, the in, in within teams uh, for over three decades, um, and for you know one reason or another has been passed over a few times. Um, but you know, I think that uh, I, I wish her all the all the luck in the world. Again, a great baseball mind and inspiration to so many. Uh, females and not for that matter that, you know, you set your mind to something, you can do it. You can be told no a million times, but that next time might be your opportunity and it might be the right opportunity. And, you know, we all, everything happens for a reason. We all wait for a reason. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you know, we talked to her the other night and listen, I'm sure that there are still people that, you know, you know, I'm sure that for for we're in a conversation. We all just kind of assume, okay, Danny Mac knows what he's talking about. BK mm-hmm. knows what he's talking about. Paul has a minor clue as to what the heck is going mm-hmm. on. It's all kind of it just happens, right? We all kind of get it. But you know, she was mentioning that she gets into conversations like this, and you know, sometimes she has to prove that she knows what she's talking about. Um, and and you you'll you'd learn within 30 seconds. Um, if you were even concerned about that, you'd learn in the first 30 seconds that she knows what she's talking about. Uh, again, has seen this game from a million different angles. Um, so, you know, again, I, I wish her all the luck in the world and, and only only a small part of that's because I'm the broadcaster for the team. So I want them to succeed. <laughs> no doubt. I think, she'll, I think she's going to be great. No doubt. Hey, Paul, thanks for doing this. I'm sure you and I will uh, visit later this afternoon and, and steal some notes from each other. So we actually sound like we know what we're doing tonight. So um, thanks. <laughs> hey, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it very, very much. I'm going to go throw something on the grill. I love it. I love it. Making me hungry, man. (laughs) It's Paul Severino, and he does a great job with the uh, the Miami Marlins. You know, he was talking about – I just looked it up. He was talking about all the roster moves that that hit the Marlins, okay? And I kind of went through some of those, but – uh, this was their first winning season since 2009, so that's that's obviously great for them. So July 21st, BK. Now, just think about what I'm about to say here. They left for a six-day road trip. They had an eight-day quarantine in Philly. It turned into a 23-day road trip. Take a guess on the trip alone. How many roster moves they made? Oh, God. I mean, that was when they had guys that were busing back to Miami from Philadelphia. If you remember, they had some guys that were allowed to fly, others that were taking a bus from Philadelphia to Miami while they had COVID. So they, you can imagine they probably weren't in the greatest of spirits at that time anyways. So I would have to make um, 15, 16, 60, 60 roster moves, 60 roster moves uh, on that trip alone. My God. And they had 174 roster moves total to get their first winning season last year in the truncated year with all the double headers. So you know what, Don Mattingly? Yeah, you earned the uh, manager of the year. And I remember reading stories about this and I, I talked to Paul a lot and he said, man, it's unbelievable. Danny Mac, he said, uh, Don, Don Mattingly actually just said the story on the air. He said, but there's a lot of guys he's never even met. And they're in the clubhouse, and they got to stay socially distant, and he can't really go up and talk to them. And so he's like, hey, you're, you get ready for this. You, you might have the seventh inning. You got the eighth inning. Um, you may be starting on Thursday. I mean, that's just a bizarre, crazy job that he did. And, and so all the credit goes to Don Mattingly.
Uh, wow. Remember the uh, the Baker Mayfield story as well? Sim- similar thing where he threw the touchdown pass to, uh, quote, some guy named Blake. Um, because <laughs> right. the guy, or not the touchdown pass, it was his guard. It was his guard. That's what it was. He came into the game and he was like, I met you literally right before the game because of all the quarantine stuff that they were going through. So it's it's something that we will hopefully never have to deal with again, that over the last year or so in sports, we had to deal with it in a way that was um, stunning. Yeah, you mentioned that this is a, um, even though it's early, and I, I I don't jump ahead. I mean, you get to Memorial Day, you kind of figure out where you're at, where your team is, who you are, who's having a good year, what you might think this lineup looks like, that kind of thing. But just in the moment, why, why this game tonight is kind of important is that you got Sandy Alcantara going in game two. And he's really good. The former Cardinal is really good. And then in game number three, uh, it's Pablo Lopez. And he's been really good. So before you get here to, to the home opener, some tough tests for the Cardinals. Now On the they plus do have... side, it's just a guy that they've never seen before that's a lefty going tonight. I don't want to so talk about fine. that. He's going to go great. <laughs> Quiet. Okay, we don't need to talk about that, BK. Why are you bringing up these facts that are disappointing me? Trevor Rogers. They've never seen him once, and he's a lefty. Uh, who is a 23-year-old young guy. So I'm sure it'll I'm sure it's going to go really well for them. On the plus side Harrison Bader's out there and he mashes lefties. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, 19 innings, 29 strikeouts in the spring and that included a 10 strikeout performance for Trevor Rogers. By the way, he's the number 6 prospect in the system according to Baseball America. So we'll see what is in store tonight. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Okay, so BK just came up with a great question. Uh, We saw what took place over the weekend with Nicholas Castellanos. And he said, okay, Dan, he goes, you know, who are some of the great villains over the last like 20, 30 years with Cardinal baseball? And I said, well, the easy one for me, the, the Mets were pond scum. Okay, so the Mets and the Cardinals and the rivalry of the teams in the 80s. And there were villains in that on both sides. Um, you can go to Hernandez, you go Strawberry, you go Howard Johnson. There's a bunch. Gary Carter. I mean, those are fun. That rivalry was so much fun in the 80s. It was awesome. Now, recently, just off the top of my head, you got to go. Brand, and I want I want people to remind me of some folks here. But here I'm going Brandon Phillips. Yeah, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Um, easy one there. I, I think you go Chris Bryant with his comments with uh, Ryan Dempster saying, oh, say St. Louis is boring and he gets booed every time. Hayward leaving St. Louis, going to the hated Cubs, he gets booed a lot. And he also said afterwards, he's like, yeah, they have an aging core right. in St. Louis. Right. Um, Johnny Cueto would be another one from the fallout of the Brandon Phillips, you know, benches clearing. That was that was good. I think one that goes under the radar because it wasn't very long was Niger Morgan. Niger Morgan was uh, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Leonard in one flap down of the San Francisco Giants. That was a good one. Bob Forsh put one in his ribs, I think it was, and then it was one flap down. They couldn't get him out. But there's some other ones. Um, We just got a text of the Killer Bees in Houston. Yes and no. It was a great rivalry, but to me they weren't villains because the respect factor between the Cardinals and the Astros was great. Like they, they, everybody knew they were good. The Cardinals were good. They were going back and forth for division championships, and there was a respect level between the two. See, that's the thing is there's a difference between 
like almost a real hate in sports hate, right? Sports hate that the, the Astros definitely would apply because it's it's a true it's a competitive rivalry, not the hatred rivalry. And meanwhile, when you look at some of these guys that you're, you're talking about, like Johnny Cueto, the Cardinals fans hate Johnny Cueto and should for what took place in that brawl. Um, another guy that I would maybe add to this list on the sports hate where it is just a competitiveness, maybe David Ortiz after the World Series. You could go with Hunter Pence after some of those NL appearances in the playoffs in the early 2010s. I, I would just say, though, that it was more like respect. Yeah, sure. But here's a good one. Same thing for the Killer Bees, though. I, I'm missing an obvious one. Tony LaRusso, Dusty Baker. Good one. I mean, those guys go back to their days in the Bay and then he go dusty goes to chicago i mean we had benches clearing in the nlcs with kenny lofton and mike crudale on the mound and dusty and and tony getting after it but the best was and we had a shot and i i think our our director covered it beautifully and it, it obviously went viral but um he, he told our camera guys keep cameras on tony and and dusty and they are screaming at each other at wrigley field that was fun uh, those were good. Carlos Zambrano back in the day. Um, that's a good one. We got that. Ryan Braun is a good one. He's a good villain. He's going to be on with us on uh, BK and Ferrario this week. Does he want to play anymore? I, I'm going to ask him. I, I don't know. He, he said before the season that he wasn't ruling anything out, but that he was leaning towards retirement. And so I, I don't know if he's available. I can think of a team in St. Louis that could use his particular skill set in right field. Dude could hit, man. <laughs> he could hit. Uh, Will Clark, before he was on the Cardinals, I would agree with that. And then he became a Cardinal, and now he's one of the most yeah. beloved guys in town. We love him. Like It's great to have Will Clark. And um, one person on the text line says, every soft-throwing lefty ever, especially <laughs> if they've never seen them. Like That is the biggest villain in St. Louis. It's almost like the boogeyman. Yeah, those guys just seem to have the Cardinals numbers, don't they? I mean, it doesn't it's matter who's in team, though. Like it, it, it definitely applies here in St. Louis. But man, every every fan base has a specific type of pitcher that they go up against. They're like, yeah, they're going to get no hit tonight. Uh, the texture here, Whitey Herzog and Roger Craig. And that's true. Um, that was a good one. I mean, those guys would go back and forth and. I, I, they were passionate this morning about the uh, the Castiano situation with Randy and Michelle. I think it carries over to when, and it goes back to like the Petro thing tonight, and we both agree on this. When you have fans in the stands and it's a full house, then you really hear it and the emotions get high. And I'm not, but I'll tell you what, I talked to people over the weekend that were at the uh, Great American Ballpark and they said it felt like a playoff atmosphere this weekend because there was fans back. We forgot what fans felt like. Now you're back at a ballpark, and then there were fireworks between the two teams. Absolutely. I think that's uh, that's part of it. To that point, um, Mike Matheny was asked about the fans over the weekend in Kansas City. I thought he gave a really great quote, actually, about it. He said, there's no doubt, as much as I tried to downplay it last year, that it wasn't a big deal, not having fans. It was a huge deal. There's energy. There's excitement. It rolls through the dugout like maybe we've got 10,000 people standing behind us to push us forward. You can feel it maybe like never before, probably because we missed it so much. I, I think agree. that speaks for what you're talking about here. It's just a different energy. You can feel it on the broadcast. Like as a viewer at home, you can feel the energy that's at the ballpark that was clearly missing a year ago. It applies for baseball. I can't wait to see it. We're watching the tournament right now. 
I can't wait to see full college stadiums oh. again next year for college basketball because that and is football. the sport. It's definitely football too. But I think college basketball is the one that's been missing the most by not having the usual crowds. It you just know, feels different. You know the guy who was a big-time villain, and he's like the nicest, quietest guy ever, but not for the Cardinals' perspective, but from the Nationals' perspective was Pete Cosma. Interesting. With some big hits against the Nationals. You could just put Cardinal Devil Magic Player X and just like (laughs) fill in the name with whoever. And that guy everywhere other than St. Louis is 100% going to be considered a uh, a villain there. I'll give you a great villain that I think everybody felt was a villain is Barry Bonds. That was a villain. You know, every time he'd step up, you were booing him or had a sign or did something with him. He was a villain because he had an aura about him, too. And he kind of liked it. I think he liked it. He fed off it. You know, those kind of guys are fun to watch. I would say Barry Bonds. I would say this year going through the visiting ballparks, the Astros are going to hear it. See the first weekend already. They look pretty good. Already getting it. They're getting it, but then they responded. Well, yeah. They, They had a hell of a weekend in Oakland. It was like, wow, okay. They're talented. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody's ever questioned the talent that they have on that roster. It's, it's a really stacked roster with a lot of really good players. Carlos Gomez with the Brewers. Yeah, he played with a little flair. I, I think sure. some people didn't like that. And I think he kind of embraced it, too. I, those sure. are the guys that I can appreciate as an opposing fan, even though there is that sports hate there, is when you are that guy. And I think Castellanos has a little bit of this in him, by the way. When you're that guy and you, you embrace it. it Okay, I can I can respect that. It's when they try to kind of back away from it. We're like, no, like Barry Bonds was kind of that, right? Where yeah. it was like, I I'm I should be liked. Why don't you guys like me? No, you you play to the fact that you're disliked. Just you, embrace you loved it. it. Just embrace it. Uh, we get a lot of people texting in about um, Adrian Gonzalez. I think that's an interesting yep. one. Yeah, he he was with the Dodgers. There were some issues with him over the years in postseason play. Yeah, that's a good one. I mentioned Niger Morgan, but uh, Bud Norris was a Cardinal killer. Anytime Bud Norris was on the mound, he was Cy Young against the Cardinals, but he really wasn't a villain. It was just like, yeah, why can't they hit this guy? Exactly. And then he became a Cardinal and had a a very, I I think he was here two years and and was pretty good. So anyway, Puig was a good villain for a while too, for a lot of people. And he embraced it. Yeah, he he loved it. So that was kind of fun. All right, that's a good show. I I enjoyed that. That was fun. I enjoyed it as well, Dan. And I I think we can here pretty soon go ahead and add Nick Castellanos to that list of the sports villains here in St. Louis. And I'm glad we've got it. it. It's something that is... In my opinion, a positive that came from this weekend. Well, think about it this way. Even if you're on the fence, you're like, is it really going to, you know, is he a villain? Well, just think about when they come through St. Louis the first time and the pregame stories that are written about or talked about, it's going to be about what do you think the reception is going to be for Castiano? So it's going to get a buildup. Yeah, think about your story. Like the next time that the Reds come to town, yeah. I know exactly what your pregame setup is going to be. That's right. You're going to show the the bench clearing i don't want to call it a brawl because it wasn't a brawl but the bench is clearing it was close man i was like Ooh, we're getting there it, it was on the verge yeah. it, it almost looked like more than just a quote-unquote baseball brawl where they go out there and talk to one another yeah um you're gonna show that you're gonna show the the beaming you're gonna show the slide into home plate all of it and, yeah. and then we're gonna go into will things escalate once again find out next on bally sports midwest thank you for the <laughs> tease and you can watch us on the uh the Plus Channel tonight. That's right. There's no. I don't think there's any villains in this uh, series tonight, is there? 
I mean, they've got a, a lefty that they've never seen before. So that's as much of a villain as you could possibly ask for. Well, Magnera Sierra could be that that villain. Okay. Yeah. No, he's not. He's got to be better. Yeah, he's not going to be a villain. <laughs> You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.